What is good? Welcome back to another Niners Nation podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me on this Friday, as he has been for a lot of these Fridays, Kyle Posey. What's up, Kyle? Hey, man. What's going on? Slow news day, as always. The last 24 hours for the 49ers, you know? Uh, just laying in the back, not getting much accomplished. How you doing? I was good last night. I got a lot of my work done. I was kind of like wrapping things up for the evening a little early. I was going to watch some TV. And then, bam, like 7.30 Pacific time, Salah goes to the Jets. And then I basically had to start all over again. I know you did, too. Yeah, man, we had a couple of things ready to go for Friday morning. And then the news hits, and Salah is the Jets head coach. Salah's going to take LaFleur. And then D'Amico Ryans, then Mike Mendanden. Everything starts to kind of snowball. So everything happened in like 20 minutes, it seemed like, too. But that's fun, man. That's why we do this. I blame Urban Meyer. I feel like everybody was waiting for the first domino to fall. He went to Jacksonville and then, bam, everything just like rapid fire after that. He could have gotten this done on a Wednesday afternoon. And that way, Salah could have been hired on a Thursday morning. That way we can get this accomplished or get all this done when normal people are working instead of at night. But again, this is what we signed up for. We are the bloggers, as we've been (laughs) told. So here we are. This is the business we've chosen. We want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We love your ratings and your reviews. Please keep them coming. We're going to get into all the Robert Sala stuff. Use D'Amico Ryan's definitely the next defensive coordinator. Who is Sala going to take with him? Any free agents going to follow him? We're going to break it down from every possible angle. But before we do, there was other news that came out on Friday, and that is... Basically, I mean, I don't want to overstate things, but Deshaun Watson wants to be a 49er, and it's basically a done deal. If you don't know, here's what happened. There was a picture on the George Kittle Nation Instagram account of Deshaun Watson wearing a 49ers jersey. I think it's a Frank Gore jersey. It's number 21. I guess it could be a throwback Dion, but who knows? But nonetheless, Deshaun Watson comments on the post and says, dope pick with the little 100 emoji. And so I don't know about you, KP, but like, that's it. Like, it's it's over, right? Signed, sealed, and delivered. It's only a matter of time before Watson's under center for San Francisco. Okay, so he is searching his name, clearly, because if you look at that post, there is no Deshaun Watson tag. So he is on vacation right now, and who knows how, long, how much longer he's going to be on vacation. But he's searching Deshaun Watson, and he's either going through and either commenting or viewing or doing, having some sort of interaction with these posts. So it probably doesn't mean anything, but the guy clearly does not like his current situation. When that, when you see that, especially an organization as aggressive as the 49ers, pick up the phone. Make it happen, man. Here's my, this is why the 49ers are special, though. I didn't see any other stories about any other Instagram pictures that Deshaun Watson was commenting on. So even if he was searching his name, the only one he felt necessary, look, he's a smart guy. He knows People are going to notice what he comments on, especially now when everyone's, you know, when he's in the news. He didn't comment on any others. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. John Lynch, man, he's giving you the clues. I don't know what else you want from him. Make it happen. I'm convinced that he has already picked up the phone to make that phone call. For sure. Uh, Okay, let's get into some of the Robert Sala stuff. Um, I wrote a little for the site last night. My first reaction is that last year was a test of the roster depth, but this year is going to be a test of the organizational depth because Sala's gone. 
Michael LaFleur is gone. We don't know who else is leaving. This is going to be the first sort of test of the Niners organizationally. Do they have sort of the depth there, the staff, to keep the, the train on the track, so to speak? Yeah, we're going to find out about the chops in the 49ers organization because if we're just looking at the organizations that have been stable over the last past decade or that have remained stable as, as far as winning, the Patriots are near the top of the list because they promote from within and they have depth of coaches. They develop from within. And the 49ers seem like they're going to take that route right now from Domingo Ryans, you know, from Mike McDaniel, if he is the offensive coordinator. But I'm just curious to see how it plays out. Maybe if McDaniel does get more he's, – he's not going to call plays. Like Kyle Shannon still Kyle Shannon. He is the real reason that this is going to work no matter what happens. Like Salah was great for the 49ers. But this, this team has and will continue to be good because Kyle Shannon is in charge. And I think we're just going to find out, you know, how, how – whether it's Ryan's puts his own spin, whether it's McDaniel puts his own spin, if he gets more, you know, um, if he gets more control of the offense. So that that's kind of what I'm, what I'm interested in seeing. This is sort of one of the aspects of being a head coach, I feel like, that nobody really talks about. We always look at X's and O's, which is obviously a huge part of it. But it's also, you know – stocking your organization with talent and finding coaches. And we don't know how good Kyle Shanahan is at it. We don't know if he's, you know, I don't know. How well connected do you think he is around the league? Do you think he has guys on other staffs that he's thinking like, hey, maybe down the line, this guy could work with me, this guy could work with me? I'm not sure. So he he has worked with a few different organizations and his last name is Shanahan. So that is going to carry a lot of weight. But I think, man, it just comes – but we've, we've always talked about his ego. So I think that he just probably feels like he can get it done and he has guys that he has in his mind. But, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that he's he's looking around other lead or other teams, though, just because, again, he has in his organization. What I do want to know is knowing that Salah was probably – you know, we know Salah interviewed for the Browns head coaching job last year. And who knows I, – I don't remember off the top of my head what other jobs he interviewed for. But if that is the case – I wonder if Kyle went to Robert and was like, hey, we probably know this is your last year, last year here. Can you maybe groom Ryan's or can you sort of show him the way, show him the ropes, take him under your wing because we want to keep him in the organization. And a report came out last night from uh, one of the Jets writers, Joseph Bastiano, I think it was. He reported that Salah wanted to take Ryan's with him to be the D.C. And as we know, Matt Mayoka reported that the 49ers are likely to promote uh, Ryan's from within. So I wonder if, you know, the conversation going behind doors is what I, what I more should in. Let's listen to Kyle Shanahan. This is from January 4th, their sort of end of the year press conference talking about D'Amico Ryan's and whether he had a shot at the job if Sala left. Of course I'd consider D'Amico. I mean, it's only it's a matter of time before D'Amico is a coordinator in this league. It's a matter of time before D'Amico will be a head coach. But I'm no absolute that I'd have to, we have to keep the same scheme. And I love our scheme, so I'm not trying to change it either. But I, I don't pigeonhole myself in anything. Um, what I said last night, I meant, like, I'm not too stressed about the situation. I mean, we got a great coach in Sala, but I also know where we're going to be all right because of the people that we have in-house, because of the system, the players that we have, because of the options that we have, um, how the Yorks treat us. I mean, there, there's nothing that they'll tell us we can't do. There's a lot to react to there. My first instinct, though, if the reports are true and D'Amico Ryans is getting the job, they're not changing the scheme, right? You give Ryan's the job to keep the scheme the same. Yeah, you keep you give Ryan the job because first he knows the personnel, like he knows the players. Hiring, let's say that they did hire Raheem Morris instead of Ryan's. 
he would have to rely on secondhand info from players. He would not know, you know, how that he would just have to play catch up. And you don't want to do that, especially, you know, as we're in January, as you're getting to the process to making decisions on players and free agency in the draft. So keeping it in-house is the way to go. And he has the most, uh, Ryan has the most familiarity with what's going on here. And I think another part of what Kyle just said there is, we have the players like they're still going to have really good players on the roster and that's not going to change no matter who is coaching them. So Ryan's is going to have a handful of talent, a good amount of talent to work with on this side of the ball still. Yeah, I've, I really hope what you said earlier was right. That'd be super smart if that's what the 49ers did. If Sala kind of took Ryan's under his wing last year, that would be massive because he hasn't really been a coach for that long. I mean, and he's only been a position coach for, what, a couple of years, but he started as like a quality control coach, which is where everybody starts, which is, as Chris Sims called it, the bitch boy position is what the quality <laughs> control coach yeah. is. So you're not, you don't have a ton of responsibility there. Do you think he's ready for this? Yeah, we're going to find out, man. To be fair, he did play in the NFL for a decade, so he has plenty of experience, and he's been around the game. So I feel like not not coming from any sort of outside, you know, like for example, John Lynch, and not to throw him under the bus, he's a media guy, and there is a difference from being a football guy and a media guy. So Ryan's knows the grind of football, so I think that will have a leg up. And just him being familiar with the 49ers, what they want to do on defense, seeing what Solid did from as far as coverages go, as far as blitzing goes, scheme-wise goes, I feel like it, it is a no-brainer. This is probably the most seamless transition the 49ers could have made. So D'Amico Ryans, if he gets the job, he was the inside linebacker coach. That's going to create a vacancy. And I'm seeing people on Twitter, Kyle, throw out Patrick Willis's name. But, like, I haven't seen any interest from Patrick Willis that he wants a job. Are we just doing that because he used to play middle linebacker for the team? A hundred percent. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. And that's going to continue to happen until they name somebody else, whether it's Jeff Ulbrich or um, Ulbrich, however you say his name. Um, or, you know, whether D'Amico, he, might, he was with the Texans as well. So he might have one of his pals from the Texans or somebody else around the NFL that he's worked closely with, whether it's in camps or just that he's familiar with from his playing days. So. Uh, Patrick Willis is going to be a popular name. I'm surprised, honestly, we haven't heard Navarro Bowman's name just because we've heard Patrick Willis's name. Don't rule that out. It's only it's it's not even noon yet Pacific time. So um, <laughs> I imagine that we're, we're just going to see more and more names float around. I, I'm also kind of curious to see what they do on the offensive side of the ball as well, though. Yeah, it's I mean, we've called this the offseason of change and it's clearly it is happening now. It has officially begun um, so let's talk about the offensive side of the ball. Since you brought it up, Mike LaFleur is going with Salah to New York to be their offensive coordinator. Mike McDaniel now, we, we saw a report on Friday that he's going to be the new offensive coordinator. Do you like that move or do you think the Niners should have gone outside? No, again, promote from within, build your guys up. That way they get a job. Your organization looks better if Mike McDaniel next year is an OC for somebody. Then you could promote maybe Shane Day, your quarterback's coach. In this situation – LaFleur is a passing game coordinator. McDaniels was a run game coordinator. I mean, McDaniel can handle both, I imagine. And who's to say that they both weren't helping each other out anyway? So instead of creating another job by promoting and just keeping that cycle going, it makes sense to just put more on McDaniel's plate and then just kind of go from there. So I think this is, again, seamless transition, already knows the personnel, don't have to bring in any outsider. And it also saves you the headache from going through the coaching hiring process. So the 49ers didn't have to do that with Ryan's either. So, again, just making life so much easier on yourself. Kyle said he basically wants to have the staff pretty much together, I think, by after the Super Bowl because he wants to huddle up before the combine. So they've got to make these decisions fairly quickly. 
Uh, if they want to replace or go outside the organization for somebody, they could bring Rick Scangarello back because the Eagles didn't retain his, they didn't renew his contract. So he's out there. If, if Shanahan says, hey, you know the system, we can bring you back in. Yeah, that is an option. But again, we don't know what their relationship was. We don't know if he left on good or bad terms. We don't know if Kyle even values his opinion. So that's an easy name that we're familiar with. But again, it, he's got, I feel like he, he walked out of the door for a lesser position or not for a lateral move. So um, I'm not sure if they would want him back. You think Sala tries to take any other coaches, whether it's offense or defense, or do you think he's, he's got LaFleur and that's it? I I'd imagine that we haven't seen the end. So there are, I feel there are a few other coaches that off the top of my head, I know Daniel Bullock's was a safe, the safety coach has worked for Sala at another spot. I feel like there is a three or four other coaches. I am blanking off the top of my head, but I just don't feel like this is it. And he has to fill out a bunch of assistants, not just coordinator positions. He has to fill out an entire staff. So to think that he's only going to take one coach from the staff is a bit naive. And again, you know, he, he's probably been in talks with Lynch and Kyle that for, for over a month now. I hope Kasurik doesn't go with him. Yeah, that would be a big one because you've seen just how, what he's done for Eric Armstead and what he did for uh, Kerry Hyder this past year. He is a guy that is invested in his job, and that is a, gr- a big, big compliment. So replacing Kosurik would be tough. But again, Kyle has had to been preparing for this type, these type of moves because he knew that they were going to get gutted eventually. Yeah, I mean, if he wasn't, then he, that's almost negligence on his yes. part. I mean, it's kind of amazing. They got more sort of rated, so to speak, after a 6-10 and 10 year than they did after they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, because Salah was always, you know, last year it was, you have Bosa, you have Buckner, you have a D4, you have this four linemen that are basically Space Jam monsters doing all the work for you. But then on the back end, they had a really good secondary. And then Fred Warner was massively underrated. Like He was an all-pro last year, but people were just starting to catch up to that. So they, they literally had 11 good players on defense, and you rarely, rarely find that. And that's why when we talk about what to expect next season – 2019 that was a fake year we should not count that because it's not coming back so uh, that that's a big reason why whereas this year Salah had to adjust Salah had to adapt and he did that man and that's why I think you're seeing him get so much credit and then again his intangibles and all the leadership and just how he commands attention from players and how they respond and respect him goes a long way and, and that's why he got the job he really deserved it it is amazing like four years ago nobody knew that Robert Salah was on this planet and two years ago, people wanted him fired. And now he's like the hottest head coaching candidate. So like as as depressing as it is that he's now gone, you know, I kind of am hopeful that in the future, the Niners could find, you know, another great defensive coordinator. Yeah. And maybe that's Ryan's, you know, he's he's only 36, man. So he has a chance to put his own fingerprints on the 49ers defense, which I think is important for him to kind of make his own identity. I'm sure that he will. But as far as Salah goes, yeah, when I first took over the job, the reputation for Salah was not anything like it is today. People wanted his head, and they wanted him gone quickly. And the same for Eric Armstead. I remember that. So, yeah, the perception, of just how the, those two's reputation has changed over the past couple of years has been something to see for sure. I saw, I think you tweeted out uh, the video of D'Amico Ryan sort of mic'd up. And, I, you know, look, I'm not going to lie and say that I've spent a ton of time watching the inside linebackers coach during games. But from that video... I mean, he seemed like a pretty excitable guy, kind of similar to Salah on the sidelines. Yeah, he definitely has energy and the passion. That, that's easy to relate to. That's easy to 
when you see a guy have that type of energy, you're going to gravitate towards him. And that's the same thing with Kosirik. And that's probably helps, you know, in, in Ryan's case, I imagine just being a very good football player for a long time in the NFL helps him as well. So I tweeted this in August of, I believe it was early August in training camp, where I was like, yeah, D'Amico Ryan's, he's going to be a defensive coordinator soon. You can just tell by the way he interacted with people, by the way he, what he got out of the linebackers, I think just in those few training camp sessions that I saw, it was easy to see that he was going to be a defensive coordinator. So thankfully that came true and I didn't look like an idiot. But uh, again, he, he, it's not a surprise to see him rise so fast just by what he's been able to do for this defense. One more topic before we take our first break, and I know you wrote the post on NinersNation.com about this, about the players that Sal is going to take with him, because that's part of it too, right? You want guys that know your system. You want guys that can help establish your culture. And so and then we've talked about it forever. The 49ers have a zillion free agents. Who do you think, if, if I told you you're Robert Sala and you could take one guy with you, which player do you think it would be? Oh, man, that's tough. So my initial reaction was, when Salo just was hired for the Jets, like, congrats, Kerry Hyder, you are now a New York Jet, and you just made a lot of money. But just hearing the way he speaks about Kwan Williams, man, like that is their – that's like his guy. He named a blitz after Kwan Williams, Shark. Shark, Nick, Shark is Kwan's nickname. They put in a package where, obviously, everybody has seen the success that they have when Kwan blitzes. And Kwan is also from New Jersey. Um, every time he speaks about him, he gushes about Kwan. So I would – I would think K1 is um, just by the value that he brings to the defense. Let's listen to Robert Sala talk about K1 Williams. In our scheme, we want our guys to go as fast as humanly possible. The faster you go, the faster you clear it up for other people. And so with, with KK and all his uh, preparation that he goes through and his instincts and understanding of football, when he makes a decision, there is no gray area in how he reacts. And because of it, it is very easy to, for players to play off one another. They feel color. They feel him going. It's just you, he clears up the pitcher. It's when players are what we call floating that uh, it just muddies up because you just can't feel where he is and what he's about to do. And so the reason why everyone loves KK, is, especially yours truly, the speed at which he operates and the, the instincts and the trigger, we call it trigger, and the way he triggers on game day and within each play it clears everything up for everybody. See the way he threw in the especially yours truly right there? Like Nobody asked you that. Didn't need that. But that tells you how much he respects Kwan, man. And when he talks about triggering, for those that don't know, that just means if you see something, if you see the ball carrier is about to do something, you just go. You go. There's no hesitation. Pull the trigger and fire away. And I think his speed and when he talks about floating as well. So Sherman – Kwan and Kwan were three defenders that he's spoken about over the last, over the past two seasons that kind of are allowed to do their own thing on defense because he trusts their instincts. Sherman, who knows what he's going to do. Kwan has good foot, plenty of good football left. As I mentioned, from the Jersey area, probably not in a position where the 49ers can afford to, you know, offer the same as other teams. So it just makes the most sense for the Jets to, to reel on in Kwan. I wonder if he takes Sherman with him too. You know, like knowing full well that Sherman is not, you know, the Richard Sherman from 2012, but just like in terms of establishing a culture and that type of thing and and teaching the young guys, it might be worth an investment. I think that Jets have like 70 million in cap room. Yeah, they have have the second or third most cap space in the NFL. And that's before they even make any, you know, we haven't looked at their roster and I'm sure there's contracts that they can get out of. So I'm sure it can even be more than that. But I don't think it's just limited to the defensive side of the ball. So for all we know, 
Lafleur could want to pay a boatload to Juice and more than the 49ers could offer. That could be the same for Kendrick Bourne. Uh, the Jets don't have a lot of quality receivers on the team. Kendrick Bourne could be that slot receiver that maybe Jameson Crowder is not who they want and maybe Lafleur likes Bourne better. Um, and then a sneaky one that I wrote about was Jeff Wilson. So the 49ers, he's a restricted free agent. If the 49ers don't place a second round tender on him, Wilson Jr. is gone. Like it, the Jets don't have any capable running backs. Wilson Jr. is a starter, and we saw how effective he was this season, and even last season. So, yeah, I, I think that he could poach a few uh, free unrestricted free agents. That Wilson is a sneaky good one. Would you put the second round tender on him if you were the Niners? So I don't know the rule if you could place multiple second round tenders on restrictive free agents, because if you can only place it on one and they don't use it on Wilson, then goodbye, man. I don't know. I can't decide if I would be willing to let him go or not. Like if I get a second round pick for him, that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, you're going to take that. I, I imagine <laughs> any of the restrictive free agents the 49ers have, even Emmanuel Moser, like they let him go for a second round pick. I, I don't know. <laughs> you probably have a list that is fewer than seven of guys you wouldn't let go for a second round pick. Okay. There's a couple more questions I want to ask you um, because I think that Robert Sala is going to be a significant factor in the 49ers future going forward. Now that he landed not only with another team, but specifically with the jets, I will explain what I mean after the break. Welcome back to the Niners nation podcast. Okay, Kyle. So Robert Sala is with the jets. They have the number two pick in the draft. It's kind of crazy. In a way, you could almost make the argument that that win that the Jets had was a good thing for them because I think that they sort of control the entire draft. If they want to take Fields or Wilson or whoever, okay, that's fine. But if they want to stick with Darnold, they're going to have a zillion people trying to trade up. Like They have all the cards right now. They can do whatever they want to, and they really do control the draft. So. They have Darnold, and based on the GM's, the Jets GM's comments, Joe Douglas, I believe is his name, they're probably going to stick with Sam Darnold. And I imagine that was part of the conversation that went into Salah getting the job. Like, hey, hey, man, I'm a big fan of Darnold. He's young. Gase, we've seen what quarterbacks look like after he leaves. So <laughs> how about you make me look smart? My draft pick investment looks smart. So that, that'll be interesting to see. And for, for all we know, maybe it's not. Maybe that there is a young quarterback that, you know, Salah or LaFleur or whoever is in charge there just falls in love with and becomes too good to pass up. But again, man, if, if Shanahan loves somebody at number two, there we are. And that just opens a big door that, whew, negotiations, baby. I mean, can you imagine that? So I don't know if it's Prague or John or whoever would be on the phone, but they would literally be negotiating with, in part, Robert Sala to try and, and make a move up. Like he would be a huge part of the 49ers going forward because like this is it for Kyle. You have to make your quarterback choice this year. He's never really had to do that, which is odd because he's going into year five. Right. But whatever it is, he's got to make the choice this year. And Sala, if, if they have to trade up to number two, is going to be a part of that. I, I am curious to see if Salah if Salah kind of returns the favor in a low ball sense where he's like, no, man, I'm not coming off this unless you give me three number ones or if you just because he can pull that card because he holds all the all the cards. If he doesn't want to move off number two, he doesn't have to. So that's kind of something that I'd be interested in. But that's a good point about Kyle, just because it's time. Like they have to figure out who is the guy under center. If they choose that Jimmy is the guy under center, they're going to have to find a way to build around him. And maybe, you know, that's by taking 
when we talk about that building around him even more, I would, I just don't feel like a first round quarterback is the way to go by keeping Jimmy just from a money a monetary standpoint. But again, that that's, that's a, that's a factor. And that's probably a legitimate option of bringing back Jimmy and drafting a guy like Trey Lance, like staying at home. So I don't know, man, I, I'm not a fan of that, but I can see the logic. But when we say build around Jimmy, I mean, they probably will need a third wide receiver, but you don't have to take that in the first round. They've right. got running backs. They've got, I mean, Debo is there. Ayuk is there. Kittle is there. The only position you can really build around Jimmy at is the offensive line. Am I right? Yeah. And again, that just goes back to what we've seen other quarterbacks do is elevate the line by just knowing where to go with the football, getting rid of the ball quickly. And that has nothing to do with your release. I'm talking about knowing to go where knowing to go with the football. So all of those play a factor in helping the offensive line out, um, being able to move in the pocket a little bit, not being a statue back there, which is what happened with the backups this past year. Plenty of things go into it. And again, they drafted a a first round wide receiver this year. They drafted a second round receiver the past year. Uh, They have George Kittle. It's not like the 49ers are without weapons. That's probably one of the biggest myths that they are stacked when it comes to offensive talent go as far as offensive talent goes. But if there is a receiver in free agency that I do like that would fit the 49ers, Curtis Samuel, get him and get him for cheap. Ooh, I like that move. I wanted to ask you this. Do you think it's possible that Jalen Hurd can give them what Kendrick Bourne has given them? I do. I think he can be. So the reason that Hurd is being hyped is just because of what he did in that preseason game, those two touchdowns. But he is like, if you just watch him practice, he is like a freak show. He is this big target over the middle that to be fair to Jimmy, like I, I feel like quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo, are going to be better suited with bigger targets over the middle because you can throw it up to a guy like that. He actually did that to a little bit to Ayuk in training camp, but a guy like her, he's not going to be bigger or sorry. He's not going to be like super speedy, but that's not his game. You can use him as like a big body type. So having him and Kittle in between the hashes with Debo and Ayuk on the outside, that would be tough. And, And that would be a reason why, you know, the 49ers don't add another receiver because they believe in Hurd, but, his injury history, man, he's, he's becoming more and more of a myth as we, as we begin to talk about him. Yeah, people just like assume, oh, he's going to be back next year. We're good. Like, no, you're not even close to good. If you're depending on Jalen Hurd and Juwan Jennings, who haven't <laughs> a snap for the team, you can't just like pencil those guys in and say you're all set. Uh, that's, how, that's not how things work on the old 49ers Twitter. And that's like every fan, too. If, if there is a draft pick, and even if he has not lived up to expectations, there's always the next year. There's always this offseason. He's going to do this to take care of his body. I'm sure Hurd is going to come in with the best in the best shape of his life after coming off of a knee injury for the second year in a row. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a projection for sure. I want to ask you a question that's something Levin brought up on the Gold Standard podcast. I don't want to give him credit because I never want to give him credit for anything. But he did mention to me that it is there is a, a world that's possible where perhaps someone like Mike LaFleur feels differently about Jimmy Garoppolo than Kyle Shanahan does. Kyle clearly to me is frustrated and fed up with him. And his word is law in the Niners organization. But LaFleur is not – he's free from that now. Is, is it possible that he thinks that Jimmy is a good quarterback and would be interested in trading for him? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a good chance that he has a different opinion from Kyle Shanahan. With that said, though, it might not be up to LaFleur because you have to convince your GM that 
this $27 million quarterback is more valuable than Sam Darnold, who's making, he was still on his rookie contract, even if it is for one more season. So that is probably where the biggest difference in opinion is going to come in when you factor in the salary, as opposed to just asking or looking at what they're able to do on the field. See, this is what I say if I'm LaFleur, and if, if that's the route I want to go. This system is complicated. It takes a long time to learn. We only got Sam here for one more year on the rookie deal, and we don't even know for sure if he can play. We can trade Sam and get assets. We bring in Garoppolo. He knows the system already, so there's no learning curve there. That whole two-year like waiting period, that's all done now. I know who I've got. I got a guy that reportedly teammates love. I don't know if that's true or not, but reportedly they do. I mean, okay, so there's that part of it. He can establish part of the culture there in New York, and his contract is all set. It's not, you know, it's definitely workable. They can live with it. It's, I don't know, that would be my sales pitch to Joe Douglas if I was Michael LaFleur and I really wanted Jimmy. And that's not a bad argument. But again, it's going to be Joe Douglas, who dra- I believe he drafted Sam Darnold. So he wants to prove that that is his guy. And he would have to move on from his guy who he took early on in the draft for a veteran quarterback who is coming off injury. And, and Darnold has been banged up himself. So, yeah, that would be fascinating. But just imagine the 49ers, even if they were able to get like a third round pick from the Jets. So it's at the top of the third round. That would be like John Lynch. 2021 executive of the year just for pulling off that deal man yeah that would be that would be wild and well i think the 49ers have 10 draft picks in 2021 after the kind of the compensatory pick that they get from Salah leaving that's not a bad haul of picks and and kyle has repeatedly talked about how he thinks this draft is crucial for the team yeah, he's been talking about how he wants to build through the draft, which is why it's tough to imagine – or not tough to imagine, but that's why it's – when you mention like Stafford or trading for a veteran quarterback, I don't know if that's going to be the case just based on what he said. But again, new information happens all – new information comes out all the time, so they could – they're going to have these discussions over and over just as we are trying to find out the best solution moving forward for the team. But they can – the 49ers could also have – Another third round comp pick if Martin Mayhew, who's interviewing for Washington football's GM job on Friday. So that would be please hire him. That would give the 49ers a third round pick. So that's two third round comp picks if that were to happen. And um, yeah, I mean, that just gives them more and more ammo to move on up in the in the draft. So there is one comp pick that the 49ers weren't awarded for. The, uh, Over the cap did not have them down for a comp pick for Quan Alexander due to the playing time and his injury at the end. But there's still a possibility that could happen. So they could have 11 draft picks. You kind of poo-pooed Martin Mayhew there. You don't, you don't think that's a big deal if he goes to Washington? No, that's great. I'm, I, I mean, hire Washington, hire him so San Francisco can have that extra third-round pick. Um, I mean, he was a GM for a long time in the NFL, so I'm sure he has a good grasp of what he's doing. Um, we're just seeing an, an, an influx in hiring black just black manager or black general managers. Now, I think Martin, May- Martin Mayhew would be the fourth this week, I believe, third or fourth this week. But again, it's all just incentive based just because we have those, uh, that new Rooney rule. Yeah. So they would, I mean, man, that would be a nice little stream of compensatory picks for the Niners. And the thing I like about that is they're aggressive with those picks too. Can you trade those? I know sometimes you can't trade the comp picks, but can you move those in a deal? Yeah, I believe it was two years ago. You NFL started to allow teams to trade those comp picks. So 
uh, third round is going to sound a lot better than moving up for that fourth round. Even if they are like 10, 15 picks away, it will help you decide on, you know, it doesn't always have to be a quarterback. Like they could find, let's say a quarterback falls in the first round. They trade back up into the second round to get him using that second round pick. So there are just so many more options. And it, again, it just gives them more ammo to be flexible in their draft. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know how much I trust the front office. Like, to make all there's so many decisions they have to make this off season. Yeah. How many times can you roll the dice and have those decisions come out in your favor? Like statistically, you're going to get some of them wrong. And I just don't know which ones those are going to be. Statistically, you're probably going to get the majority of the decisions you make wrong. And that's why we always focus on the wrong ones. But everybody like, so Ayuk, this past draft, Ayuk looks great. Kinlaw work in progress, but pretty much that's all we have to judge off in the draft and just go before the second round picks, the third round picks, you're looking back, they haven't made great decisions in those middle rounds. But at the same time, if the top guy pans out, that's all that matters. That's all that people really care about. So again, it goes back to our topic. If you just hit the first round pick right, everything else, man, nobody's going to remember you missing on the third round pick. One more thing I wanted to bring up, because I saw, I I didn't want to bring this up, but it just, it just annoyed me so much. And it was Grant Cohn, our friend Grant, retweeting Grant. someone who I, I can't remember the exact wording of the tweet, but it was basically like, hey, do we know that Adam Peters is any good? He seems to get all the credit <laughs> for the good picks and none of the blame for the bad picks. Is that fair? I mean, that's that's just peak Grant right there, baby. Just <laughs> um, doing whatever he could do to get under 49ers fan skin. I think it's no secret that Peters is deserved of a lot of the success. And as I mentioned on the Shanna plan on Wednesday, he is in action. Like he is on the road doing these, doing the work. You don't hear John Lynch on the road. You don't hear um, any of their other front office guys. It's Martin Mayhew and it is Adam Peters going to do the heavy lifting for them. So yes, he deserves the credit. And I'm sure that Kyle had an input on Brandon Ayuk because that was his guy, but like, and he's a receiver guy, but as far as like Kinlaw, if Kinlaw pans out, that's probably because of Peter. Yes, John Lynn said he wants to come up with, you know, a four, just four dominant defensive linemen, but I feel like it all, it always traces back, traces back to Peter. So if he's, if he's been getting the credit, we're going to continue to give him the credit. That is how this works. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I just, it bothered the hell out of me and I had just had to mention it. <laughs> I just, yeah, Grant has that effect on me, which is odd because I've been a Niner fan my whole life and somehow he's still able to get under my skin. So I guess credit to him. It's a skill, man. He is so good at that. All right. Uh, is there anything else you want to leave people with as we wrap up this uh, Robert Sala reaction show? No, not at all. I think just going back to what we were talking about, I've decided that I'm going to wait until May to have a take on what the 49ers do. So if they decide to keep Jimmy, I imagine there is a good reason. So if it comes March and Jimmy Garoppolo is still the quarterback, I want to see what the final picture looks like. Who are they going to add? Who are, who were they able to add in free agency and in the draft by keeping Jimmy as opposed to what their plan B, C and D would have looked like. So that's, that's what I'm interested in. Um, bottom line here. You're going to hold back until May? I don't even know if I'm physically capable of doing that. <laughs> well, that's not going to stop me from getting these takes off by any means, but <laughs> I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I will say that. Well, you're a stronger man than I am. I don't know. Like I, 
Yeah, I, I wish I could just like fast forward. Like, can we just yes. get to the playoffs in the Super Bowl? I don't care who wins. Whatever they want to do, it's fine. That's not my focus. I, I want to know about the Niners. We got to fast forward here. Yeah, let's get to training camp and uh, act, get get over all this, all these rumors and all these whispers. And, you know, everybody has an opinion and everybody thinks they know what's going to happen. But it's January. It's the second week of January, man. There's so much more that still has to be unfolded. There's so much, so many more decisions that have to happen. So uh, we have a long way to go. Well, it's going to be fun. As I've said many times, literally, you could wake up in the morning and there could be a 49ers update on your phone and it could be anything. It could literally be anything. It could be trading one of the best players, acquiring one of the best quarterbacks. It could be about Jimmy. It, we have no idea what's going to happen. I guarantee if I had to make a prediction, I would say this. Whatever happens, none of us will have seen it coming because I feel like the 49ers sort of see the whole board and they are interested about things and doing things that we're all not sitting here predicting. So that's my bold prediction. That's a good one. They are, and they're master trolls in that sense where last, last year, uh, DeForest Buckner, out of nowhere, that just happened. So something, something is definitely coming, and it's pretty exciting to, to try to think about what that may be. But as, as even, you know, we could sit here all day and, and make bullet points of what we think is going to happen, and we probably still wouldn't be able to, to come up with what's going to happen. So that is going to do it for us. Again, we remind you to rate, review, and subscribe. We love your reviews. How about this one from Hugh Tomasello? Niner Nate's unmatched energy and Leo's deep knowledge makes Niners Nation one of my favorite 49ers podcasts. Had a blast coming on with the show. See, there you go. Yeah, Come on with the show. I feel like, is it a real rating or is it like a phony rating? Phony ratings are fine. <laughs> Still counts, right? <laughs> It's like garbage time touchdowns in fantasy. We all in, baby. I appreciate it nonetheless. Look, we're trying to get, you know, as many good guests as we can, a lot of different voices. There's a ton of 49ers podcasts. We know this. We're not going to act like we're the only ones. And, you know, it's kind of like a little tight knit community with all of us. Yeah, man, it's good. And and that's another thing. I feel like as the offseason goes, with with there being so many different 49ers avenues that you can get your info from. You don't have to tear one down to to prop another up or to speak about another. Like, we can all exist in this spectrum, I promise. Okay, how about this one from EDC138? Love stats and eggs daily and overall a lot of really good programming, different perspectives and voices, good analysis, and more guests recently too, it seems, with a thumbs up emoji. Nice. There you go. So enjoy it, everybody. Have fun this offseason. We will be here with you every day. And of course, when anything breaks, Niners Nation is your home for the latest news and updates. You can follow Kyle on Twitter at KP Show. I am on Twitter at Stats on Fire. And we'll talk to you next week.